Welcome to Broke Talk Podcast, where the mission is to help people recognize things that are broke and unabashedly talk about it. You can follow us on Instagram at Broke Talk Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Broke Talk Podcast. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you for listening. Today we have uh, Cynthia Sayadat. She's a Filipino-American currently residing in Los Angeles, California. She got her clinical social work degree from Columbia University, and now she's a licensed clinical social worker in both New York and in California. So if you're residing in any of those areas, make sure to hit her up at livingfullyig on Instagram. She also has these great topics every week, cute little motivations, so be sure to follow her. We talk a lot about culture, we talk a lot about emotions, and she goes through a little exercise at the very end. So I really hope you get a lot out of this and it helps you in your day-to-day life. So on Jam's podcast, you talked about... um, just realizing how to articulate and talk about your feelings and were you unable to do so um, because of perhaps your culture, because feelings is not a very important topic? Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. That was a big, big part of it. I mean, the, I, I think language-wise, I think there wasn't really a common um, conversation around around what kind of language to use when you're talking about your emotions I think um, you know my parents really tried like my my mom tried to like send me to see a social worker at some point to try and learn some of that stuff um, but then I think uh, I think really not having that vocabulary like of of the wide range of emotions a person could feel um, made it really difficult to talk about and so um, you might have heard me talk then about how the most common word used for my family was weird Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that was that was like the best descriptor and it kind of caught I I call it like our catch-all oh wow yeah Um, yeah just harping on that there are so many words in English to describe such nuanced things. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and, and also in, in uh, the Filipino language, in Tagalog, there's certain, uh, and I only learned this when I was out of, out of the house at that point, but there were, there were certain terminologies that there aren't words for in English. Um, but they're, they're like not uh, easily translatable to to an english term like for example there's like one that's like gigel uh, that or the words gigel and what that means is that that feeling that you get when you're looking at something really cute and you kind of you you like want to pinch the baby's cheeks or like um uh like kiss it a lot or you know it's like are very excited i think it's a combination in english of excited and adoring and indeed like really really warm kind of emotions but but no exact translation um but yeah that that search that trying to understand how to express how i felt there were yeah i mean i just feel like i've been searching for that for a long time i was really looking for that all over the place 
Right. So do you, what is the language that you speak? Uh, I speak English. I am um, primarily English speaking okay. and understand Tagalog, of course. Most of it is okay. uh, cursing words. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I understand Tagalog, just don't, wouldn't be able to carry a conversation. Okay. Did your parents speak, or did you speak um, Tagalog at home or just oh, predominantly we, English? We didn't. We didn't speak Tagalog at home. Our parents spoke, sometimes spoke to us in Tagalog, and we'd respond in English. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's, my parents speak very low English, so mm -hmm. it's extremely hard to talk to them. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, speaking two languages or knowing two languages gets, gets, gets difficult for the mental Oh my gosh, it really is because there's like a, like, like in particular, there are, there are kind of taboo, um, taboo emotions like anger. Mm -hmm. um, anger is a very taboo emotion. You just don't really uh, acknowledge that. And I think a large part of that um, is tied to uh, colonialism in the Philippines. Um, the, the sort of um, negative, view of someone having like a more fiery kind of experience in their emotions. I think that that was a big, played a big role. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, I know my parents' level of anger and the way we speak to each other would, if, you know, a non-person um, of color would see it, they'd mm -hmm. think, oh my gosh, you're being so angry to your child or you're being rude yeah yeah that that's so funny because i think the commonality and i don't know if this is similar to your family's culture but it's like i'm not being i'm not yelling i'm filipino like that <laughs> that kind of a kind of a reality and yeah. um, and so it's just you know it's it's just the culture you know like some cultures are are more volumed higher volumed yeah. than others <laughs> um, and those things are really important to bear in mind. I think um, particularly like when I'm working with uh, a family that, that either both, both like a, a couple or something like both parents are people of color or one, one side of the couple is a person of color and the other is identifies as white or Caucasian. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of, uh, cultural differences, particularly in the air arena of language, mm -hmm. language and and vocal tone, that that are just fundamentally different. Um, right. It's really interesting to see, and I think the languages themselves actually reflect that a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. um, like I'm thinking, like um, like certain different Asian languages are quite quick like and there's multiple syllables kind of squeezed into a single <laughs> single word um whereas in english it's it's kind of broken down in um like each word kind of is different is uh i i don't know there's there's a quality to them that i'm having a hard time describing but mm -hmm. but they they feel more separate whereas like if i hear someone speaking in tagalog it feels like or sounds like one long line, but in reality, they've said like 
one one or two sentences. <laughs> oh, interesting. I also noticed in other languages, um, most other languages compared to English are flipped, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, like we mm -hmm. say, and it's simpler, like me running versus mm -hmm. I am running. Yeah, yep, yep. It's like uh, watching, let's see, uh, uh, like rather than saying, yeah, she's running in Tagalog, it would be tumatakbo nang babae. And so that really means running woman <laughs> versus the woman is running. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I mean, English yeah. is hard. Probably English the hardest is, language. Yeah, it's a really hard language. I mean, we've got multiple meanings for sometimes the same word. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I'm thinking of read versus red versus the color red, I'm like, right. that, that. what kind of <laughs> language does this to people? <laughs> right. But especially if um, non-English non, uh, speakers learning the language, I think that, I think to learn English is, is really challenging, I think, for, for people who are taking it on as a second language. Right. Um, I think that's why my parents don't really try mm -hmm. to learn unfortunately yeah, yeah. yeah and what's I, and I'm so curious you know like the um what and I assume are you an only child is that what no oh, you're of multiple <laughs> yes <laughs> I have three older sisters and one little brother uh, oh okay okay yeah yeah I, I wonder what do you what did have you noticed in terms of like just like the topic of mental health like what what has that looked like for you and your family? Um, it's actually accepted. Um, mm -hmm. So we're very patient with people with mental health. Mm -hmm. um, my mom is a huge fan of Western medicine. She will pop pills mm -hmm. like crazy. She <laughs> loves the hospitals. So she she's a little different in that sense. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's also, there's also a huge culture, um, not cultural, religious tie to it. There's mm -hmm. something called jinns in Islam. Uh -huh. um, and they use that to really describe and um, uh, talk about mental illness. So yeah. in my oh. culture, it's, it's pretty accepted. It's just, we don't know how to articulate our feelings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So how did you start learning how to label your emotions? and Or did you even start that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, uh, let's see. I remember being in a personal training development course, like in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. um, and, and still up until like the age of like 22 or 23, I was still using the word weird to describe how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. um, but I was in the middle of a, um, a personal training and development course, and they were having us identify how we were feeling. And I was working with my partner, and they were like, okay, well, how would you describe how you're feeling? And I let them know, honestly, I really don't know how to tell you. Um, and uh, I, I tried to, you know, use kind of the, the usual uh, kind of 
basic emotion, like the base emotions, like happy, sad, angry, um, and not, none of those fit. And so I was really like, oh, I don't, I don't really know. And my partner, um, who I can't remember their name at the time, but my partner at the time was like, well, there's like, are you confused? Are you, uh, and I was like, confused. Yeah, maybe, you know, like it was starting to feel like more accurate. Mm -hmm. and, and so I, um, I was kind of running with confused for a little while. And then, um, but it, you know, that, that sense when you feel like something is just like, that's exactly how I would describe it. It didn't have that quality then in, in my gut of like feeling settled. Um, so I quite literally looked in a thesaurus <laughs> and, um, and typed in confused. And the word that I ultimately felt like was most accurate was the term bewildered. Um, because I was learning so many different things in that personal training and development course that, that were just like new, new bits of information for me. Um, but yeah, that was, that was like the first term, like more complicated than, than angry or sad or mad um, right. that I learned as like, oh, that is part of the emotional experience people can have. But I had up until that point, it's not that I'd never heard that word before I had, but I didn't hear it in connection to um, describe somebody describing how they were feeling. It was maybe used as like a description description of somebody else, like a narrator to a, a character or something. Right. Okay. But, but never as an option of like, I feel bewildered. bewildered. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. Googling synonyms for words is very yeah. <laughs> great yeah, tip. Like, it's a great, I mean, it's a really practical tip. You know, I think it's, um, I, I very much with my clients think, you know, language matters when we're thinking about like our, um, our mental health, because until we kind of have either a close approximation or the exact word, I think, our minds don't really do with, well with unknown and it actually can create a, quite a bit of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so once we are like, yes, that's it. It, it kind of can, it, it can create this, this quiet in the mind so that you're, you're more apt to say like, yes, that's it versus, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Or, oh, it's kind of like this, but it's also kind of like that. You know, there's, um, there's a lot of more, lot more nuance, I think, to our emotions than I had ever learned. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah. So describe the feeling of knowing. Mm -hmm. How did you? How could you tell from your body or your mind or yourself that you mm -hmm. knew that was that feeling you were feeling? Um, I felt gravity again, like physical gravity. There was like. Um, like suddenly I would feel like I'm in my seat. Like I could feel my bottom on my seat. And, and also the sensation in my mind often was one of like an opening versus something that was like more constricted. Like when I'm, when I'm kind of struggling with something, my, uh, I can feel almost like a tightness in my head and like, like a, like a baselessness in my body like it's almost like my spine is floating above my hips or something 
but then when I am able to articulate something, I find there's there's kind of a ground. It it does have that grounding effect for me, um, and you know, definitely when I'm working with my clients, they report much of the same of of when they hear that it's like their minds quiet, their their bodies suddenly feel less. Um, uh, and agitated is not quite the right word, but maybe restless. Their bodies feel less restless um, and more at ease. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Do you think people need to meditate to get to that quiet, or do we naturally mm -hmm. have that? I, I think we naturally have it. Um, I, I don't think, I think meditation is a lovely way, um, way to, you know, kind of get some more clarity. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I don't think it's the only way I think meditation, um, it, it works for some, but not for all. And so I think the, um, the, the things that we know, I think they are far more intuitive than like I I really understood um, because what we can do with our emotions is using our bodies as the tool to figure out what they are mm -hmm. um, because we can describe body sensation, right? Like yeah. if you have like a tightness in the stomach or a pit in the stomach or it's like kind of crampy or um, a constriction in the chest or sometimes a fullness in the chest, like with really, um, I was recently talking to somebody about a really happy memory that they had had with their partner and pretty instantly like we were talking about okay well what's going on in your body as as we're talking about this really positive emotion and they let me know like you know I feel this like really like warm and full feeling in my chest like a very it feels very loving it feels very full and and like her cheeks were hurting because she was smiling <laughs> oh. and, and I was like oh that's so lovely and then we kind of we moved on into um a different a different topic and it was something of a stressful topic mm -hmm. and so I I asked them to check in with their body again and they they let me know like oh but now like now my chest feels constricted like tighter and like uh, concaved, like their shoulders felt like they were kind of drawing forward and their chest in, mm -hmm. um, which can indicate multiple, um, multiple feelings. Like it could indicate uh, anxiety or fear or um, like a concern. Um, there's some like theory around that why when we want to concave like this, it's because we're protecting our major organs <laughs> it's like this ball shape um it's kind of like the most protective position like like fetal position like that's like that's a very protective kind of physical shape that a body kind of intuitively does you know when when we're not feeling well sometimes we'll like kind of hover like that right and the way you know they were describing that sensation in their chest it was really really contrasting to a moment before where they were describing like a fullness. And what I did with them was, you know, in that moment, trying to recall those happy memories again, to try and recreate that fullness, despite having gone to a place where it felt more constricted. And we started recalling more happy memories with them and their partner. And 
and sure enough that feeling that warmth came back and it was it it was so amazing I, I think it still kind of surprises me and delights me to see um, when somebody can just with the power of their thoughts and the powers of their memories and like um, deliberate recall of positive memory how much they could shift their mood like a whole total 180 um, so so that's uh, that's just like one example of how powerful our brains can be mm. and and yeah why why the kinds of words and thoughts we feed it really matter right um, and just doing that activity with your um, patient or with someone else helps them bookmark those feelings like yeah this yeah is happiness and, this is when i yeah. felt happiness yeah like this is this is where i felt happiness or joy or glee mm. like glee is a fun one i think uh, it's one that um i was reminded of like a year or so ago when i went in la there's this place called magic castle and it's just like a place where magicians are from all around the city come and are members and do these like demonstrations and shows and just seeing somebody do like sleight of hand tricks i was like oh, like what is happening <laughs> um and that's definitely a feeling that i hadn't had in a long while i mean it's one of those things that's really common when we're younger like yeah. young children um but then kind of uh, becomes less and less frequent as we get older and um, and yeah so it's a really I, I don't know it it astounds me every time to see someone just with the training of their thought um, help adjust their mood mm -hmm. even if it's just make it a little bit easier to bear some of the difficult emotions that can come up right I'm working hard on that, and I I notice yeah. when I have a negative feeling, it just cascades down to oh this my gosh. constriction, like you mentioned before, and I can't get out of it. Yeah, 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 and um, and so this is like one one way of intervention, you know, is like trying to re purposefully recall a positive or joyful memory mm -hmm. for you, you know, like that's that's one thing to try. And sometimes our brains cooperate, and sometimes they don't. <laughs> and then we're, you know, I'm definitely familiar with like the anxiety mental spiral. Yeah. Um, and so, so when, and to that, I really want to share a, a different kind of tool, which is, which is uh, checking in with your body and just mm -hmm. describing what's going on in your body. Um, you could do that by like scanning, like from, from the top of somebody's head down to their toes. I'm mm -hmm. just like, okay, what's my scalp doing? What's my face doing? You know, what's my, what's my neck doing? Where are my shoulders? And, and like kind of in sort of graduated um, progression, this, this is a, a tool that's used in progressive muscle relaxation, but mm -hmm. just like a body scan. Um, right. to check in and see what's going on and not, not to change or fix it, but just to notice it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, a, a funny, funny thing that can happen out of our noticing things is that sometimes just by noticing and acknowledging them, they decrease in their severity. Right. Um, and, and that's, that is, I mean, it, 
it's so wild to me that that's that's really what can happen for us but it is it is just how our minds work mm -hmm. like you mentioned before it's that unknown yeah it's the, the unknown yeah but then once we know like oh i'm having this like tightness in my leg and and like i didn't realize like subconsciously i was feeling concerned about it mm -hmm. but but now that i'm noticing it oh it's it's probably related to how like I went for a long walk yesterday or, you know, being able to make sense of it when we identify what it is. Mm. I'm really bad at scanning my body and, you know, I, my, my stomach might hurt or I'll be in pain mm -hmm. and I won't even notice. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm so, I don't know what it is. I get it from my dad. So used to just thinking. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a uh, so that's super normal, and I think it's like one of those um, those um, one of those pitfalls that we've we've had as like an increasingly intellectual culture uh, in our time. Mm -hmm. You know, is like we're we're very we're we're going to a place of very high intellectualism, and I think that that has its amazing benefits and. I think sometimes when it's almost like if you're doing one kind of um, work throughout your week, it's going to be hard to shut that that kind of work down. Like you're, you might have like you might take it home and start to like behave in similar ways that you do to work because you're there forty forty something plus hours a week, and so it's it's really like a part of our habit. Um, so similarly with the brain, if we're used to intellectualizing or, or thinking through our problems, which most, most of what we do now is, is an intellectually based problem, um, I, I think it can be hard to shift gears and practice a different or new habit. Right. So, yeah. And we're in America where it's you know, go, go, go all the time. And oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah all this information overload mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you find it that there's a cultural difference between you know what your parents might be used to functioning and mm -hmm. the american way of life i uh, yeah i think um so i'm i never get this uh quite on the nose but like i think i'm second generation since my parents came to the u.s first mm -hmm. um but very much i think the the mode of thinking oh hello um so sorry okay. <laughs> um i uh the mode of thinking with my parents had been uh really tied to you know you work hard you keep going and you you know it's like not really uh much discussion to be done it's very practical mm -hmm. um and, and so I think that has carried over and influenced people talking about emotions and so just not being in the habit, regular habit of checking in with themselves, um, checking in with what's going on in the body. It's like, well, you know, it's either you're really sick or you're working. <laughs> um, and, and so it's a, it's a really common thing, I think, for second generation kids or, or generations to to have more of a um a method of like keeping on going keeping on working um 
part definitely just in general part of the u.s culture is is that it's like we work um we've got a really um uh intense like focus on like work hard mm-hmm. you know it's like keep grinding or keep yeah. you know keep going you know it's like and that all is like an um, an evolved version of like pulling yourself up from your bootstraps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so it's a it's something that I think um, research is now showing us more and more is like how important breaks are, mm-hmm. how important play is for our brains, um, because if we're constantly just physiologically, what's happening in the brain when we're so busy is that um there's there's a part of our brain that's responsible for for like kind of reactivity um we want to think about it like that so like any any kind of anxiety or anger or busyness sometimes falls into that that part of the mind is pretty pretty readily and pretty regularly the part of the brain that's working most for most of us most days if we're going at a a really rapid pace Mm -hmm. But then what happens to that is that our, the, our, our brains as really efficient uh, machines um, kind of take all the energy from all of the other areas of the brain to, to fuel that part, to fuel that part of our brain that's like, okay, I got to keep going, got to keep moving, keep busy, keep active, keep, keep moving. Um, and and the, the, while there are lots of positives and, and as well as, as negatives to that, I think um, part of what, what uh, happens for the other areas of the brain, so like this, the prefrontal cortex and neocortex that are responsible for us to like delineate between something to fear and something not to fear, mm-hmm. um, those parts kind of go offline. And so, so it makes it, it can make it difficult. Like I've definitely for example, like pulled the all-nighter or like really worked really hard on something and kind of hit a hard wall and I couldn't keep going. And what that really, what was going on in my mind physiologically was that the parts of my brain that could help me creatively problem solve or creatively approach something that I was working on, those parts of the mind were were basically having all of the energy taken by this other um, more reactive part of my brain. Um, and so, yeah, I think we're used to being at a certain temperature and sometimes we go too far. Um, that personally happened to me in my life where I didn't know I have all the, I had all these issues and then suddenly it all just slammed into my life at the same time. What are some tips to help people recognize that there are issues in their life? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would look at people and their relationships, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause, cause sometimes it's, um, sometimes it is, uh, difficult to go inward, you know, right from, from going from busy to inward, that can be a really difficult transition, but I would encourage people to look at their relationships. How satisfying are they for them? You know, it, or do they feel like they're connecting with the people that they want to connect to? Mm-hmm. Are they, at, if they're at work, you know, are they feeling like they're getting the support that they need to? You know, and 
And if, if any of that is like, mm, I'm not getting the support I need, or I'm not getting to touch base or connect with people at those deeper levels or in those ways that I, that are really intimate to, to have friends and family know us, um, then there's not that there's something wrong uh, necessarily, but that there's, uh, we derive so much of our support from the other people in our life. Mm-hmm. And so when, when I'm here, when we can kind of see that we're starting to be I- feeling isolated or alone, that can usually be a pretty good indicator of how stressed somebody is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because uh, there's a great deal of positive that we get from just being with one other person. Right. Um, there are some people that, and a lot of women do this, where they give, 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 and they don't really think about what they're receiving. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, that, that's, that's a way of living that I'm really familiar with personally and, and then paid like a very hard tax on um, with, you know, through suffering a depressive episode or just suffering an anxiety panic attack or something of that nature. And I think, yeah, as, as women, there is, um, there is a part of the uh, conditioning for women that, that and not all I, I wouldn't want to say all but I think just societally I think there is a conditioning that you're both you're a caregiver but then there's also the a movement of like you're also high achieving mm-hmm. and, and so there's like those two uh skill sets sometimes feel at uh, at odds with one another but they're really not mm-hmm. both of them are like focused on looking outward and and serving somebody else um, and, you know, different, different, you know, parts of culture play a role in that as well. You know, like, uh, as a Filipina, I know that a big piece of our culture is to be collective. Mm-hmm. And so you're not really thinking about the individual. You're thinking about the individual inside of, or not, not even that, <laughs> just thinking about the collective. Um, I think it's evolving now to, to, to be more inclusive of the individual in the collective. But I think... Um, the to not do that is considered like against the grain somehow. And I know some religions are like that as well. Is like you focus, um, you can focus on others and do unto others. Um, I I'm somebody who grew up in the Catholic Church, for instance, and I think uh, I attribute that the attitude I had of like working, working, working and like producing for others and not really paying attention to what was going on with me mm-hmm. to a sense of like doing like, it was like I took that golden rule of do unto others as you would have done to yourself. And I just took it to this nth degree oh, and just wow. left off of the, <laughs> left off of the other bit, my, my bit at the end of like oh. do unto others, like positively period, not, not as, you know, I, I want to be treated or even expect to be treated either by myself or by somebody else. Right. Um, I have to remind myself to treat other people or treat myself how I treat other people. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. super nice and forgiving and caring to other people. I need to do the yeah. same to myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I catch that that is a really common 
common experience. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a, um, like it, the good the good news there, right? Is like you know how to treat somebody well, mm-hmm. and the, and the trick really is that sort of deliberate, intentional practice to try and turn some of that love that you so freely give to others back to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of what I think, you know, related to those kind of shaming ideas of like, you know, if you, if you do for yourself, it's selfish. If you um, aren't thinking about others, you're selfish. Where, it's, it, where the reality really is for anybody who cares about anybody else is that we can only really care for them as much as we can be available. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we might be able to provide care for a really, really long time. Um, But it won't be, at the end of the day, it won't be sustainable because we've essentially been running on empty. Right. Um, And I think a lot of the Asian culture is, is, like you said, focused on the community rather than the individual. It's a Mm -hmm. lot about reputation, high perfectionism. Did you feel that way growing up? I did. I did. I think that um, there are multiple, I think, factors going into that. There was, like, I think part of Filipino culture, as, as I was exposed to it, was that there was, like, a sort of glorification of of um of the american dream you know it's like we we work really hard we get the kind of public recognition that um we're kind of taught to work towards Mm -hmm. versus having some of that validation come from ourselves Mm -hmm. um and that looked in a lot of different ways for me i think um like academically i think there was a lot of uh pressure put there um, socially, there was a lot of pressure put there as well in, in terms of like um, being well-liked or being socially appropriate, whatever that meant for each situation. And um, I, I think that a great, yeah, a great deal of that pressure came from just culture. It's like a kind of cultural inheritance. Um, and, and one that I'm actually learning of recently um, and even just by talking to you, I'm kind of challenging is like this sense of like cer- certain things that we're told to keep secret. We really need to keep secret. And it's because um, uh, if I think about intergenerational traumas for Fil- Filipinos, uh, there was a period of time in Philippine history where if you were to speak out on something that was supposed to be a secret, you were, you paid a, a mortal price. Oh my gosh! So, so there's there's a bit significant bit of that I think that got played into the psychology of many Filipinos, um, both here and in the Philippines. Um, so there's it, I don't think it's meant. I used to think it was like uh, secretive, mm-hmm. um, but really now I think it was it was a lot based in some survival. <laughs> it's like wow. it's like to make sure like oh don't talk about that because we could really get in trouble whatever and, and trouble being this like ominous unformed kind of threat um but but for a period of philippine history was a very real mortal threat mm-hmm. 
it's ridiculous how much, how many issues there are when you start to just, you know, open up the box. Oh my gosh, yeah. And between cultures, like you said, my mom probably has so many issues herself. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are, there are such, um, such unique facets and nuances to every culture, you know, and I, and when I say, you know, culture, we've been talking about it a little bit, but just to make it a little more explicit is like a culture could be, you know, where you were born. It's like the culture of the people around you, the ethnicity that you were born into, um, the kind of um, attitudes and beliefs people can have either towards like a spiritual life or not, or towards mental health or not. Um, and, and like these different, uh, some uh, another really big uh, uh, cultural factor can be like socioeconomically, like what, what that part of understanding, you know, part of this, or capitalist way of viewing things. It's like, what was your relationship to what's considered the core of capitalism? Of mm-hmm. what, what's that um, that relationship like? And so, so yeah. So just uh, we're we're all really complex in that way. Of like, there's so many different cultures kind of colliding in us, um, and, and and really important and. And uh, really fun, actually, to explore what's kind of what's inside. I think um, the you know there there's a quote that I love, which is the deep inside of you, there's more strength than you've ever known. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then kind of paired with that in my mind is a Walt Whitman quote about um, being large and containing multitudes. Mm. And and like what what I think people get when they, when they get into therapy or even just like doing like other activity, reflective activities, I think is really get to know a really rich, um, a really rich uh, setting inside of themselves. Right. And like you were mentioning about the Filipina, um, what they had to deal with and keeping Mm -hmm. things secret, there is a strength in that too. Yeah. It's not easy to hide things, and yeah, it really isn't. You know, that's um, we. Uh, yeah, it really isn't because that that kind of um, keeping to ourselves, whether it is like something about ourselves and our experience, or something just like as a truism in in life. You know, sometimes holding on to that and keeping as a secret is kind of painful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, and so I think it, um, it can be far more ease creating to open up, um, maybe some panic because, you know, suddenly something that was in the dark formerly for you, uh, was in the dark. Um, but, but ultimately I think, uh, having, having the freedom to speak in the ways that you want to speak. I think is is a lighter lighter way of going about things right so that that was a lot I'm <laughs> bewildered if that's the <laughs> right, right amount of words so it, it's hard to you know find all these issues especially people of color 
because it's mm -hmm. so intergenerational. But the beauty is that you don't know what you're going to find within yourself and you don't know who you will help. I found that me working on my self-care journey helped mm -hmm. my sister with hers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you find that in yourself? Yeah, I um I I really feel that when I am am feeling that kind of courage or that brave feeling to share what's true for me and my emotions, I find that the people that I share it with then kind of in turn feel like a freedom to do the same. Um and that uh that I think is one like part of my healing, part of my journey, but then also a gift, I think uh, one of the greatest gifts we can give another person is is like that freedom to feel or experience however they're experiencing things and it's not for us to it's not necessarily like giving them permission but but it is like showing them that it's okay to mm -hmm. and, and so that that can be such a such a huge gift I'm sure your sister uh, it sounds like your sister's very lucky to get to be around while you know you're you're sharing about your journey and sharing about your healing right and it's just a domino effect i ch i change she'll change i see her mm -hmm. change mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think it's like showing someone how to do something like on the computer yeah. it's the same way with our feelings when we learn how to yeah. articulate ourselves yeah yeah I, I mean i think most of the you know, aside from using the thesaurus, <laughs> mm -hmm. most most uh, often I will learn like a different way of feeling or like a more accurate way to describe how I'm feeling by reading something somebody wrote or hearing somebody else describe what they're going through. You know, I, I can't count how many times I've read somebody's like medium post or or other journal or other book. A book section um, and thought like that is exactly how you describe that that is right. that is dead on what that is mm -hmm. um, but I'd never heard those words used to describe it before mm -hmm. um, so so yeah so I think that kind of like in word inspiration can happen just in our listening too right self-care is very important for everybody Mm -hmm. um, what tips would you give people who have, who find themselves anxious or depressed? Mm -hmm. You mentioned scanning the body, which I think is a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. I I think you know checking in with your body could be like a real good, uh, real good starting place. Mm -hmm. um, and let's see, what other tips could I give somebody? Um, is, is as soon as you possibly can, um, just, um, just acknowledging that there is some emotion going on, even if you can't identify it yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can sound like, like for me, sometimes if I'm feeling particularly emotional about one thing or another, um, my go-to phrase is like, well, I just have to let you know that like this this is like happening something is happening over here I'm not really sure in, in total in total what that's about but I am having a reaction of my own whether it's positive or negative mm -hmm. um, and, and so sometimes 
you know, with particularly with things like anxiety, it'll tell us we need to know now. It's like everything that we ever need to do, we need to do now. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's that's kind of the, the trick that anxiety can play on us. Um, where it really is, is like you could actually set that pace and set um, set the time frame that, uh, yeah, that you need to kind of digest or reflect or process whatever emotions coming up for you. Right. Um, and, and I guess another tip I would say is like being patient mm -hmm. with yourself. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, some people uh, feel rightfully a little fearful of going into therapy. I think, um, you know, it is, it is definitely not one of those things that I consider faint for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. Um, because it, it's, it can tough, be tough to go inward, especially in a time and a culture that is, is so emphasized on the outward. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's that's evident in everything from our news to social media to you know what what we see as like things to pay attention to right you now it's it's all like almost like vegas signs like <laughs> right like look at this instead of looking inward right um, and that means a lot of people are not used to obviously looking inward i find that therapy might make you stand out and be different than a lot of people in your life yeah it might you are distance you, know? you mm. from a lot of people mm -hmm. it, it can it can i think especially if someone has like a sort of internalized stigma or stigma around mental health that lives kind of lives in their mind and hearts mm -hmm. um but what I would want to tell anybody who encounters that, you know, if, if someone in your life is kind of, there's like a distance created there, um, just knowing that their reaction is theirs and not necessarily a reflection of you. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's more so having to do with their comfort or their, um, you know, whatever it is, maybe not comfort, but maybe, you know, some, whatever it is for them. Right. That's really beautiful and very helpful. Mm -hmm. to, I'm glad. <laughs> to put people out of, out of themselves a little yeah. bit. Yeah, because I think like you were saying before of like, you know, sometimes it can be really easy to get wrapped in here. Mm -hmm. um, oh, the, and I, I would like to add another tip or tool, mm -hmm. and, and it's really just paying attention to your surroundings. Mm -hmm. and and like doing it pretty slowly and kind of methodically um an activity i take my clients through is like uh is called seeing red um and what what happens in that activity is that like i ask them to look around the room i don't know if you want to try that with me now i mean i could okay we could kind of be like a demonstration for people to see what this looks like sure um but, but like, if you can just like, you know, slowly but surely, like scan your room and see where you see the first red thing. Okay. And name it. It's a sign. It's, it's a, a sign. It says, hug me. I have this little thing on my wall. 
I love that. I love it. Okay, so then you see that sign, right? And it's a red sign that says hug me. It's really, it's really awesome. And so what I'd like you to do is take a breath. And how you want to do that is you want to start with the exhale okay. and then inhale. So go ahead. Okay, and then go and identify the next red thing. We'll do five. Okay, I see the red light in my... Uh -huh. In your computer, yeah. like the record button. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go ahead and take that exhale out. And then when you're ready, in. Okay, the third one. Is it bad? I mean, my mind just keeps going. Is it bad that I see the next one before I... No, not okay. at all. It, it's <laughs> just like, it, it just means you're alert. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> then I see, like, on the computer screen, the same uh -huh. recording sign. Uh -huh. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Okay, that's perfect. Okay, go ahead and exhale. And inhale. Okay. Uh, what do we have? I think we have two more. Yep. Um, okay, I see my calendar. It, the oh. Thursday is in red. Oh, sweet. Okay, so... Thursdays in red, go ahead. And one more. Okay, this way. Okay, I see this other um, little thing I have where it's from Jamaica, so it's the red part of the flag. Oh, that's so awesome. Okay, <laughs> cool. And exhale. And let's just do a and check in. How how does that feel for you to do? Really good, especially the exhaling first versus inhaling. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. it tricks my brain. Yeah, because commonly when we're talking about like take a breath, most folks, I mean, including me, will want to do, <sighs> you know. Uh, but yeah. unfortunately, what what that does for us physiologically is like actually trigger more like more activity. It's like, like if we think right. about that, we're kind of compress or like filling up the lungs and compressing the heart, you know, like just what's happening physically. Right. But if you exhale, it kind of signals everything. Like whenever we're exhaling, there's almost uh, an automatic kind of physical relaxation that can happen. Mm -hmm. um, as well as being tied to some really important parts of our nervous system. So, And when you're in shock, the first thing is like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's That's like, so <gasps> <laughs> Well, on that note, thank you so much. This was amazing. And thank you oh. for that little activity and the helpful oh, tips. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much. And, you know, this is really... Um, that for all of your listeners who are, who are, you know, listening to this episode and future episodes, I think, you know, just how important this is, I, I think, is like in terms of talking about mental health. I think it's so important because the number of people that will get to hear and listen and hear how you share your story and how your guests share theirs, I think. You're doing such a great thing, and I thank you on behalf of, you know, your listeners. So thank you. Well, thank you for what you do. Mm -hmm.